Imagine the following scenario. A religious man is talking about his beliefs, and some people listening are publicly mocking him. The religious man goes over to one of the people who are mocking him, and, so as not to make a scene, privately tells him the following. Believe me, he says, there is a Ribbono Shalom, a master of the universe, who is watching everything that you do. Mocking is like murder. Don't think that he, the master of the universe, will let this go. The person who had been mocking starts yelling, He's threatening me! And later that day, this same person, the one who was mocking, the one who later yelled about being threatened, tells reporters that the religious man's words were a death threat. He tells reporters that the religious man is likely unstable. He later even asks for a government security detail to protect him. We as religious Jews would rightly be appalled at this behavior, this disregard for truth, this attempt at character assassination. Remember, the first person was mocking. When someone told him essentially to stop it because God is watching, he called that a death threat. This imaginary scenario really did happen, exactly as I described, except that the person who was mocking was one of the leaders of orthodoxy in Israel. I'm Scott Kahn, and this is The Orthodox Conundrum. This is The Orthodox Conundrum on JewishCoffeeHouse.com. I'm Scott Kahn. Today we're going to continue our evaluation of an issue discussed in the last episode of last season, our episode about Yosef Mizrahi. That is, we're going to discuss the ends justifying the means. In that episode, I mentioned that Rav Aaron Lichtenstein Zatzal talked about his Rebbe, Rav Aaron Talvetik Zatzal, saying that when the Pasuk says, Tzedek, Tzedek Tirdof, righteousness, righteousness, you must pursue. That double language of righteousness means that righteous goals must be achieved via righteous means. And I quoted Rav Aaron Soloveitchik, as quoted by Rav Aaron Lichtenstein, as saying, in Judaism, saying that the ends justify the means is repugnant. We also mentioned the pasuk, Hanistarot l'ashem alokenu, v'aniglot lanu ulovanenu adolam, l'asot ekotivrei ha-Torah hazot. Hidden things are God's. The revealed things are for us and our children forever to keep this Torah, which I interpreted as meaning that we can't know if we will achieve our goals. However, we must know that we have to do whatever possible to achieve them using legitimate means. That which we can know for us and our children is to do everything that the Torah says and not to do things that are in violation of the Torah. Our goals might be righteous, but if they're achieved by violating the Torah, that's a violation of this pasuk. Whether or not we reach our goals, that's up to Hashem. But we, we have the obligation to make sure we only use valid means. In today's show, I want to apply the same idea not to Kiruv, but to politics. Now, it's very easy to complain about politicians and to say they're all corrupt. I don't plan on doing that. What I would like to do is instead to make a proposal that I believe would actually change things. I don't believe that this proposal will be adopted, but it will give us something to think about, maybe something to reach for. We'll get there soon. First, let's discuss the problems. The case I mentioned in my opening, 
was a discussion in a committee meeting between two Orthodox politicians, one Orthodox politician speaking about his beliefs, making proposals, and other Orthodox politicians mocking him out loud and publicly. In this and in all the stories I'm going to mention, I've decided not to mention names, even though I personally confirmed the details with people who were involved in these cases. Again, a religious member of Knesset was saying something in a committee meeting. Other religious members of Knesset, part of a Haredi party, were mocking him out loud. When this religious member of Knesset, who was being mocked, told them, again, quote, Believe me, there is a Rebono Olam who is watching everything you do. Mocking is like murder. Don't think that he, the Rebono Olam, will let this go. When he said this, the person who was addressed, one of the Haredi members of this committee, a Haredi politician elected to Knesset, started yelling, He's threatening me! And later that day, this same Haredi Knesset member, the one who mocked and yelled about being threatened, told reporters that the religious man's words were a death threat, that the religious man was likely unstable, and later asked for a Knesset security detail to protect him from the religious man whose beliefs he disagreed with. And a lot of people will say, that's politics. That's the game. Here's the problem. The game, as described above, involves literally besmirching the good name of an individual by lying about him. The Haredi Knesset member who said he's threatening me knew he was doing no such thing. When he publicly told reporters that he felt threatened, that this person is unstable, and then he publicly asked for a Knesset security detail, that he saw it as a death threat, this is called Motsi Shemra, giving somebody a bad name that's false. He knew very, very well that he was lying. And Motsi Shemra, you can read your Sefer Chavetz Chaim, is one of the most serious violations in the entire Torah. And why was it done? It was done for a very specific reason. Because the Haredi politicians who were mocking did not agree, they strongly disagreed, with what this other religious Knesset member was saying. And you know something? Let's assume they're right. Let's assume, for the sake of argument, that the one who was speaking, the politician who was mocked and who ostensibly made a death threat, let's assume he was advocating something that was truly unacceptable. You must use legitimate halachic means when disagreeing. Does disagreeing give them the right to mock somebody publicly? Does disagreeing give them the right to lie about him and to sully his reputation, to be Moti Shemra? Even if the ends are, for the sake of argument, good ends, does that allow them to publicly question his sanity and to brazenly lie about being threatened by him? The ends cannot justify the means. They can't. They don't. It's repugnant. And this is even assuming that the ends being sought are objectively good ends, which is an entirely different question and, frankly, irrelevant. What about the fact that this is the way politics works? What about the fact that if you want to be in politics, perhaps this is necessary? So the first answer is, yes, politics does involve compromise. But mocking somebody and trying to destroy a person's reputation ad hominem attacks, that is not inherently necessary in politics. Compromise does not mean being Moti Shemra. And second of all, even if you truly believe that being Moti Shemra and lying and mocking, if you somehow really believe that these are inevitable consequences of being in politics, 
There's only one conclusion. If you believe that, then it's forbidden for you to be in politics. A religious person can't do this. Who gave a Torah Jew the right to do things against the Torah? Even if you have good goals, we can't control the outcome. The only thing we can control is doing the right thing in order to achieve those outcomes. Let God worry about the consequences, about the outcome. If we can't follow the Torah in achieving those outcomes, we have to have faith in God that it will be achieved some other way, or perhaps God doesn't want it to be achieved. Here's another short story. In Beit Shemesh, where I live, a certain person, a few years ago, started a political party that competed with the established religious parties. What was the result? This person had a certain business, and people who normally vote for the established parties were told not to patronize his business. What was his crime? It wasn't even that he made a non-religious party. He made another religious party, a Haredi party, in fact. But his crime was he made a religious party that was not the established parties. And the result was, we must boycott his business. Does that sound like Darkash Shel Torah? Does that sound like Tracheha Darchinoham? Its ways are ways of pleasantness, and all of its paths are peace? That does not sound like that to me. That sounds like people who are on a power trip. That sounds like people who want their way, even if they think their way is right, to destroy a person's livelihood because he started a party you don't like. You know, the degree of corruption, monetary, financial corruption associated with religious parties is unreal, a terrible chilol Hashem, a desecration of God's name. I don't know if it's worse than secular parties, but that doesn't matter, because as religious parties, these parties are claiming, insisting, that they stand for religious principles. So even if, theoretically, their corruption were not as bad as the corruption of secular parties, there can't be any corruption. And yet, anecdotally, it sure seems to be and appears to be that they are at least as corrupt as other parties. I don't think too many people could objectively argue against that. But again, who cares? It doesn't matter. Even a little corruption, even if they are the cleanest parties but only a little bit corrupt, that's not okay. Even if their goals are good, the ends justifying the means in Judaism is repugnant. Now, politicians behaving badly it's sad to say not a new phenomenon. It isn't surprising either. I'm not expecting anybody to be shocked, shocked at any of this. I know, unfortunately, I've said nothing that anyone will disbelieve. I've said nothing which is surprising. This is the way things work and we all know it. The problem, however, is this. When a politician does something illegal or immoral or unethical, we can chalk it up to politics. We can call it unfortunate. We can try to elect more upstanding individuals in the future. When a politician who is religious does something illegal or immoral or unethical, in addition to all of the above, we also have a chilul Hashem, a desecration of God's name. A religious person not living up to the standards that he claims religion has set for him. But when a politician representing a religious political party does something illegal, or immoral, or unethical. He is implicitly saying that what he's doing, this illegal, immoral, or unethical thing, is sanctioned by the Torah, unless that party quickly and decisively throws him out. 
and throwing out corrupt politicians, or even apparently corrupt politicians, does not appear to be a high priority for many religious parties. Now I will mention a name only because this is one of the most famous cases in Israel. Think of the leader of Shas, Aryeh Derry. He was thrown into prison for corruption. When he got out of prison, I have no way of knowing what goes on in his heart. It could be he was the most outstanding, upstanding citizen in Israel. He might have done full tshuva, full repentance. And yet, the political party Shas would have every right and expectation to say, you could be a tzaddik gamor, a perfect righteous person. You can't be in our party anymore because we don't want to be associated with corruption. People will look at you, think of corruption, and then think of the Torah and put those things together and make an equation. And yet, who is the head of Shas now? Aryeh Derry, of course. He claims he was framed. We are talking about a convicted criminal who did jail time. A self-respecting party would have told him, with that kind of rap sheet and reputation, even if he's innocent, with that kind of reputation, you're doing no favors for Torah by joining us and coming back to our party, never mind leading it. You need to find a new line of work. If we agree that you are innocent, we'll even help you find a new line of work, quietly, behind the scenes. But to associate in the public mind a convicted criminal who's unrepentant because he claims he didn't do it and a political party that represents Torah, what do you think people think about Torah when they see that? Here in Beit Shemesh, there's a Haredi politician from a Haredi party who was put under house arrest. He is now no longer under house arrest, but investigations, I'm told, are ongoing. For the elections in a couple of weeks, He's still on the party list. He's still in the party advertisements. What is that saying about their view of corruption? If we have our goals done, if we're able to achieve that which we want to achieve, if our ends can be reached, then the means can be ignored. Is there any other message you can get out of that? Again, even if he's 100% innocent, shouldn't they say, you're going to go off the party list until we clear this up completely? Or... Yes, you're innocent, but as long as people associate you with corruption, we can't have you on the list. Being on a party list is not an entitlement. If you are associated with financial corruption, even if it's not true, you're not entitled to be on a party list unless you make your own party, then you can do whatever you want. But a Torah party should say, because people associate you with corruption, we can't have you here because people will then associate Torah with corruption. And yet, because this person can garner votes, that's not what they say. The ends, apparently, justify the means. Again, what are these parties saying? By having people with a cloud of suspicion join these parties, even sometimes lead these parties. Are they saying that corruption matters? Is that the message they're giving? We care about corruption? We care about Geneva stealing? Are they saying we don't really care as long as you get away with it? I think they're saying that as long as it leads to more good as defined by the political party, or even if not the corruption leads to more good, but this individual can help the political party regardless of the way people will now perceive Torah, as long as we achieve those goals, that's what matters. Who cares if the reputation of Torah and religion is harmed in the process? It's secular Jews anyway. They're going to hate Torah no matter what. The ends do not justify the means. When a religious political party has members who do things that are illegal or immoral, and they're not forced to leave the party leadership, 
that party is telling the world that corruption or immorality or illegality is the Torah way. And when these parties are ostensibly supported by leading religious figures and rabbis, and not just by political hacks, a huge statement is being made about what Torah Judaism actually is. Is it any wonder that non-religious Jews are so often anti-religious in Israel when religion is presented to them as equivalent to corruption? When religion is presented to them as equivalent to short-sighted, non-inclusive political parties? When religious political parties are supposed to represent Torah, that's what they say? We must acknowledge that the antipathy many secular Jews feel for religion is at least in part a consequence of the actions and reputations, deserved reputations, of religious political parties. And we can take it even further. Even without any corruption, halavai that were the case, but even without any corruption, even when there's nothing illegal, the entire idea of religious political parties, fighting for good things like Shabbos and Torah study. Other parties are fighting for their interests. Religious political parties are fighting for religious interests. But on some level, doesn't that possibly make our ideals, good ideals, Torah, Shabbat, appear to be just another political chip on the government poker table, ready to be traded or bought or sold? So my personal feeling is that the best thing that could be done for religion in Israel the best way of strengthening Torah, the best method for improving the reputation of Orthodox Judaism, the best way of making Torah a stronger force in the world is for all religious political parties to cease to exist. I'm not stupid. I know this is not happening. But at least, perhaps religious Jews should think more seriously about not voting for religious parties. I don't mean we shouldn't have religious politicians. I think we should as long as they make a Kiddush Hashem, a sanctification of God's name, by refusing to play the political game of the ends justifying the means. However, religious political parties are, I believe, inherently a bad thing that should be rejected by a Torah-loving public. Religion, Torah Judaism, is debased when it is mixed with politics. And when we vote for a religious party... We're continuing this debasement. I'd like to quote Rav Soloveitchik Zetzal in a book, Thinking Aloud, by David Holzer, published in 2009. I'm starting to read from page 140, and the editor points out that the Rav had been discussing what's necessary to perform a sacrificial action. The Rav says, There is another prerequisite, and as far as this prerequisite, I am at loggerheads with the entire Orthodox community. But I can't help it. You can ask me many questions, but I can't help it. The sacrificial action must be a free action. It depends upon the freedom of the sacrificial action. In order to be significant, the withdrawal must extend from the free decision of the individual, either to act or to retreat, to conquer or to experience defeat, and he chose the latter of them. No undue influence and no coercive circumstances must interfere with the behavior of the person. Sacrifice is endowed with meaning as long as the act of offering was experienced in liberty and the unrestricted opportunity of deciding against the deed. If one is constrained by legislation which is provided by effective sanctions, by public opinion, by ulterior considerations to conform to certain codes of morality or ethical standards, then the sublime sacrificial action is desecrated, vulgarized. The halo which Yahadus weaves about sacrificial action is born in freedom.
wherever there is a factor of force, in all its manifestations, not only police force, the great dialectical experience of sacrifice is rendered lame. Only the individual who is capable of disobedience, who is free to rebel, to resist, to protest, to question, to invalidate every standard and dogma, only this individual is able to surrender his admirable power of standing against everything and everybody, including God, and accept, instead of triumph, defeat. I am the one who opposes fully, I have said this at conventions, the whole business of legislating religion in Eretz Yisrael. To me, it is ridiculous. It will obtain the reverse effect. You cannot make a Jew pious or observant by having a police force. You can ask many questions, I know, many questions. It is not here the time in general to discuss halachic sanctions. Halacha knows of sanctions, and I have a theory about it, but it is not my job to discuss it now. But to me, Mizrahi, this means what is now called by Yehudi or the National Religious Party, Mizrahi is committing the most terrible historical mistake. We should instead devote all our energies to an educational campaign, to display the beauty of Yahadus, to show the people that we have a comprehensive philosophy and make them come out of their free will to the fold. Legislating through a parliament, I cannot see it. It will never be as effective as an attempt to educate people. I cannot see a Rabbanut, which is part of government. A few months ago, they approached me about the chief rabbinate. I said, no, gentlemen, I cannot become a part of the government. A rabbi is sometimes opposed to government. If the rabbi's authority is constituted by legislation, the whole rabbinic dignity is gone. These are words that the Rav spoke or taken down and transcribed. So according to the Rav, legislation should not be the job at all of religion in the modern world. Education, yes. But effectively, the Rav is saying, as I see it, religious parties that try to legislate religion which is very often what religious parties in Israel do now, they should not do this, they should not even exist. If that's their purpose, they shouldn't exist. What about the practical issue of religious interests being represented in the government? People might say, if religious parties disappear, wouldn't that mean the end of religion in Israel's public sphere? So whether religion in the public sphere is a good thing is a different question, but it doesn't matter. If there were no more religious parties, do you really think there'd be no more religious legislation? I would guess that there would be increased religion in public. Do you really think that the large parties would simply ignore a huge component of the electorate, the religious public? Of course not. These parties, these secular parties, would fall over each other trying to be the most positive towards Torah, trying to be the most positive towards Shabbat, trying to be the most positive towards religion in order to get religious votes. That's democracy. And instead of being seen as political currency that religious parties might trade for the right deal, Torah will be something advocated by secular parties. It probably would be the best thing for Torah in Israel, for religion, both in terms of Torah's reputation and in terms of the likelihood of having religious legislation passed, assuming that's even a good thing. Ultimately, we have to accept that just because political parties claim to be religious, very often they are no such thing. They claim to speak for Torah, And they probably believe it. But their claim that they speak for Torah or that they are Torah parties does not obligate me, they don't obligate you, to agree with that. In fact, I'm convinced that the religious parties are among the most egregious backers of the concept that the ends justify the means. Corruption? Check. Moti Shemra? Check. Radically harming Torah's reputation among the Jewish public in Israel? Check. 
But apparently, if the ends are considered good, all of these means, which are direct consequences of the religious parties as presently constituted, they're all apparently acceptable in their minds. Many people might ask about Das Torah, the supposed requirement to listen to Gedolim, great Torah sages. And indeed, in a local Haredi newspaper that's thrown on the street in front of the houses in my neighborhood, the following news item appeared today, and I quote, this is a news item, the Gedolim signed a public letter that will be widely distributed in the city, emphasizing that in the mayoral race, one should vote only for Mayor Moshe Abutbol, that's the local Haredi candidate, to the exclusion of any other candidate. The letter also cautions against voting for parties that have not received the approval of Torah leaders. I have given shiurim about Das Torah, and I don't inherently reject the concept, as some people do. I'm not going to go into the details now. This is not a shiur. But I will say that it's an absurdity and a perversion of the concept of Das Torah as I understand it. To say that rabbis in a different city, this news flashes about rabbis in Bnei Brak, that rabbis in a different city who do not know the day-to-day needs of the populace in my city, that they can direct us to vote in a certain way. And even in national elections, suffice it to say that if we're going to play the Dot Torah game, you can find a rabbi who will support essentially any vote for any party, depending on who you ask. The whole concept is absurd. Unless your rabbi, whom you personally ask for a halachic directive, tells you to vote for a certain party, then you're not bound by the words of any other rabbi. Aselech Arav, make for yourself a rabbi, is a real concept. And this is even assuming the dubious proposition that voting a certain way is subject to halachic psak, and that you should ask such a question to your own rav. I believe it's not a halachic issue, and each person is obligated to vote the way he or she feels is best. And no rabbi has the right to tell you otherwise. If you choose to ask a rabbi, then only the rabbi you ask can tell you how to vote, assuming you ask your rabbi how you should vote. I don't think you should ask a rabbi unless you want his advice as advice, not as psak halacha. And certainly rabbis whom you didn't ask have no right to tell you, to demand that you vote a certain way. My conclusion is this. We can summarize everything I'm saying in several points. First, no, the ends do not justify the means. True faith in God means that we do what we can, bound absolutely by the dictates of halacha. If halacha doesn't allow us to achieve our goals, even our positive goals, then we have to surrender to God. We have to self-sacrifice. We have to trust in his ultimate plan. I would have thought that religious parties would agree with this concept. Many religious parties do not. They believe that any means, or at least many means, are legitimate as long as they're going to what they consider to be positive ends. I believe this is a violation of Torah or in Rav Aaron Salvechik's words, repugnant. Secondly, all of this is even assuming that the ends desired are positive ends. But at least according to Rav Salvechik, legislating religion in Israel is not a positive end. It is, in the Rav's words, a terrible historical mistake. If you accept the Rav's logic, then even if religious parties didn't violate halacha, their attempts to legislate religion are still unacceptable. And third, I'll say this, that the best way to make Torah great and glorious is to reject anti-Torah entities like religious parties. Should a religious party avoid all semblance of halachic violation? Should a religious party focus on education and culture rather than on legislating Torah law? 
should a religious party have as its highest goal to create a sanctification of God's name among the entire people of Israel? And anything which violates that will be rejected completely and publicly? Then I would consider voting for such a party. But until that happens, a person who cares about Torah, who wants Orthodox Judaism to have a strong appeal and a strong influence in the state of Israel, who believes that halacha should bind politicians no less than the rest of the community, until that happens, that person must reject religious parties and direct his energies somewhere else. Think for yourself, ignore what is supposedly the tribal obligation of religious people, and instead worry about what God says, about halacha, worry about the advance of Torah, worry about Kiddush Hashem, worry about the sanctification of God's name. Or in other words, don't allow the ends to justify the means. It's time to reorient our voting patterns and realize that religious political parties are far too often the worst thing for the advance of Torah Judaism. I'm Scott Kahn. Please subscribe to this podcast series at iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Orthodox Conundrum on JewishCoffeeHouse.com.